Good morning, everyone. Hello, my friends. Friends, all of our uh, scriptures uh, today speak about uh, God's mercy and love, and it presents it in different ways. Our first reading, we hear the people have offended God, they have sinned, and Moses pleads on their behalf. He's their leader. And we're told the Lord, the Lord pardons their transgressions. And we know uh, from uh, the scriptures that only a handful of the original people of the Exodus will enter into the promised land. However, God did not destroy them. They wandered for 40 years, if you will. Uh, that is the consequences of what has happened. They were pardoned, but they wandered for 40 years. And if you will, we would, in our words, they died of natural causes. Illness, old age, and stuff. But God did not destroy them. Paul, in our second reading, St. Paul testifies about the Lord's grace and mercy upon him. Having repented and converted, being a former persecutor and murderer of Jesus' followers, being forgiven, he goes about preaching the good news and speaking about Jesus Christ and the mercy of the Father. And at the same time, by doing this, he actually is making restitution for the harm that he has done. My friends, we have three parables given by Jesus. And um, there is so much in it, and there's so many ways to go, and uh, so many themes to pick up. Uh, but I want to point out very quickly something about Jesus. Jesus recognized how people think, and he knows that there are men and women, and we know the Pharisees are there. But there are men and women, and they think differently. He knows this, and he presents these parables. And in the first one, he, he speaks about shepherds. Those were the men of the community. The women uh, rarely, they, um, they would never. And uh, so he presents them a parable that they will understand all the while the Pharisees are listening, and they know. And he knew that talking to them about a shepherd and a sheep, they would uh, empathize with the plight of the shepherd and the feeling he had, and he would go after um, and what it would mean to go after that one sheep uh, and to bring it back. They sense at once what Jesus is trying to communicate, the tremendous mercy of God for sinners and the length to which God would go. And they understand the overwhelming joy also, having found that sheep, because it has value, having found it, and bring it back. And we're told they go out and get their buddies. <laughs> you know why? Bragging rights. You know what I did? I had to jump over the mountain. Come on, guys, you know. Come on, you fishermen in the boat. I've got a fish this big. You see? But the women won't understand that. But they will understand the next parable. Because he says, and a woman, who? And there are two interpretations about this parable. The, the second one that I think that has lesser meaning is that the coin was known as a drachma. Now, drachma was one day's wages, 10 hours worth of work by the husband. And the woman, uh, it says the woman lost it. So she's panicking, one, because her husband tries to feed them and their family. She has to find it. Also, she has to find it before he gets home. <laughs> because he's going to be upset. <laughs> and she finds it. But the other meaning makes more sense. 
You see, when a woman gets married, her headdress has ten coins wrapped around it. It is the equivalent of a wedding ring. And it has great nostalgia. And if she loses it, you see, she's in panic mode. It's the same thing as you losing your wedding band. So she searches for it. Now, on the other hand, the husband would think, sentimental nostalgia woman. <laughs> says a coin. But it's not just a coin. It retained its value. You see what's happening. Jesus addresses it. And the women would talk, oh, they would know exactly. They also would know the joy of finding it again. Before I go into the final one, because it is the prodigal son that has so much in it. In all three parables, Jesus is communicating something about mercy. But also, we must keep in mind as we look at them, the value the sheep has the same value when it is with the shepherd or when it was lost. We are told this because the shepherd goes and risks his own life to get it. The coin retains its same value, whether it's on her head or whether it was on the floor. We are told because the woman does everything she must do to get it. And you're about to hear in the prodigal son. The sheep is a created thing. It's an animal. The coin uh, is a coin. But people are created in God's image. And they retain their value. Whether they are with him or whether they have become lost. And now we enter into the parable of the prodigal son. And it tells the great lanes to which our God will go to keep us safe. Safe from what? Safe from being lost. From going astray. Or in another matter of speaking, being distanced from the Father by sin. Of the three parables read today, this is the one I really want to focus on. Because it gives us so much details. And theologians and pastors, no matter where we're at, they're going to give different homilies. But I believe that uh, it gives us so much detail, not about us, but about the Father. But first, we must understand the great danger of sin. If we were to understand some of the pinnings of this parable. So, a very famous priest in Detroit, in the archdiocese. I'm going to use some of his words. And he said, look upon the cross. Look behind me. I want you to look at that cross. See the sacrifice of God on your behalf. In a manner of speaking, the priest went on to say, this is the cure. This right here is the cure. It is the remedy for sin. And it took God incarnate, Jesus, on that cross, tortured. So if this is the cure, how terrible must the sin be? How terrible must the disease be if that is the cure? And this disease is no other than sin. Two past popes have said this. Pius XII and John Paul the Great said this. In our time, the most serious sin is the loss of the sense of sin, which implies people do not think that sin exists or they dismiss it as something archaic or of no importance. 
But sin does exist, and it is a disease, and it is harmful to us. You and I will never begin to realize the seriousness of sin until we look upon Jesus, upon the cross, the remedy for sin. But at the same time, when you look upon it, we learn from the cross God's love, how great his love is, and that his love is greater than any sin. There we learn of forgiveness and the length to which God has gone and will go. In this we learn there is forgiveness. We learn that there is a love greater than any sin. And so we have reason, no matter what we have done, or how often we have done it, we have reason to hope, no matter how bad it has been, no matter how bad it has come to, we can always come home to the Father as example by the story, not just a story, but this parable that Jesus spoke. Because this parable is so well known by so many Christians, often many of them feel there's nothing of importance to learn anymore. Um, eh, you know, I heard it over and over again. But we must realize that the prodigal son parable is not just a story. It is an actual revelation about something. It is our Lord's way of telling us something of immense importance. What is being revealed is that God, the Father, the creator of all things, the God who lacks nothing, loves you. Immensely. This parable is not really about the younger wayward son, but how many can be given about it. And it is often thought it is really about the elder son because the Jesus is addressing the Pharisees and they've already said, you, you idiot. You eat with those people, those sinners. parable is really about the Father. Jesus was trying to teach us the great importance about the Father. He's trying to teach us that his Father in heaven takes no pleasure in the death of sinners. He takes no pleasure in the death of his creation. Our Lord is trying to teach us about the compassion and the mercy and the forgiveness of God. And it is so in comprehensible to us. It's unfathomable, as St. Faustina said, his mercy. He's trying to teach us that the Father's love for each and every human person is beyond anything any of us could ever hope for. In the parable, the Lord is trying to teach us that no matter how badly or how often we have messed up, and even messed up other people's lives through our sin. We can come home. We always have a home with him. A detail often overlooked, but that is utterly remarkable in this parable is Jesus is telling that the father was watching daily for his son 
he sees his son way off in the distance. And having caught sight of him, we are told the father runs to him. This is the detail that people miss. In the culture of Jesus in that time, it is unheard of of a Jewish man of providence of prominence to run. They don't run. They move slowly and with great dignity and grace. More importantly, they wait for the person to approach them. Jesus said, the father ran like a madman. Jesus is talking about God. He runs to us. In the parable, the father does what in that time and culture would be considered foolish and belittling behavior. It reveals that our father will do anything and everything to bring us back home again. Why? Because of love. Love goes to the extreme. So if someone here feels they have sinned grievously, if they feel that, or if they have actually sinned grievously, then look at the younger son in the parable. That son says to his father what amounts to nothing short of, you are dead to me, give me my money. Or, I can't wait for you to die. Give me my inheritance. And so he takes the inheritance and goes off to a foreign land and squanders it in the most sinful and disgraceful of ways. And then becoming destitute, we are told he works on a farm feeding pigs. Jewish people can't touch them. They can't go near them. And yet he becomes the servant to them. And one of the reasons why they can't go near them is because in their time, Jewish people associated pigs with demons. You see what I'm getting at? It doesn't get any more destitute for a Jewish man than tending to pigs. And yet we look and Jesus tells us how the Father receives him that is our Father in heaven that Jesus is talking about. Perhaps some of you feel like you are in the position of the younger son, having sinned in the most grievous of ways and believe that God will not forgive you. Well, this parable refutes such stuff as nonsense. The parable really puts forth not to be afraid. The repentant person can always come home. And if anyone feels that you are in the position of the older son, filled with anger and standing in judgment over everyone and anyone, and think that such people must suffer and pay greatly, or worse, that those people must earn the Father's love and forgiveness, the parable refutes that also. No one earns that. No one earns Jesus' suffering and death on the cross. It is gift. God's love is gift. Forgiveness is gift for the one who repents. But my friends, 
but real sincere contrition will always seek to remedy the harm that it has caused. That's why I said that about St. Paul. He converted and then he went about preaching about God. That was his contrition out of love. My friends, people often try to omit the responsibility of what has happened in their sin. But love would say, try to repair. Yes, there is absolution. Yes, you have contrition. But is that the end of the story? The forgiveness is not the end of it. It is the beginning. It is the over. It has started over. A new life. And does not love try to repair the damage that, it has, that the sin has done? Do you understand? Yes. His grace, his gift, and is always poured upon the one who will receive it. Our Father in heaven is generous in his love and in his mercy. Committing sin is a turning away from God. John the Baptist proclaimed, repent and believe. To repent is to re come back to God, and to come back to God is to come home. You call out to God with all your heart. God hears your prayer. And according to this parable, he comes running to you. Do you get it? Do you understand? My brothers and sisters, that famous priest in Detroit said something about John the Baptist when he says, repent. Or he said, actually, when Jesus, because Jesus picks that up and says, repent. And he says, <laughs> which I find funny. He says, when Jesus says repent, it is not like he is saying, you idiots. <laughs> you are doing everything wrong. He went on to say, it is not a condemnation by him, but an appeal. More like him saying, why are you settling for so little when I have created you and made you for so much more, so much more love, so much more life, so much more happiness. Real freedom awaits. Amen? You're lucky you weren't here last night. <laughs> Father totally had a meltdown because of this. <laughs> because you know that this is dear to my heart. Because like Paul, I know of his mercy and his forgiveness. And when someone knows that, they cannot but be moved by these parables. My friends, I want you to keep this because I want you to take God's message, but I want you to take my homily, take it to heart, and I want, need you to take it to those who have drifted away. They have a home, always. They simply need to come back.